Hello and welcome back to How to PhD episode number four. In this latest installment of our doctoral guidebook, we'll be dealing with starting that thesis. And this time, we don't just have practical tips, but also a whole bunch of resources, including a full thesis template for our listeners to download. All that and more in this week's How to PhD. So here we are. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Uh, my name is Aaron Ullahanan and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Julia Gowley. Hello again. And uh, this week we're in a slightly different recording setup, aren't we, Julia? <laughs> yeah, so it has been a bit noisy to our neighbours, so we put up loads of laundry around us <laughs> to try to cover the sound. <laughs> Hopefully it works. Yeah, and, and to cut that <laughs> echo, but here we are recording anyway. Uh, and this week, yeah, it's... Um, it's a big topic around the thesis and starting the thesis. And I think we both had quite uh, contrasting experiences as we sort of wrote the thesis and, and coming into that those last few months, don't we? Yeah, if you mean, um, so the last couple of months, I think for me, like I was really just tired of, of writing and rewriting and reading. I think I had quite a long um, write-up period compared to you. And I felt, yeah, at the end it was really difficult. I remember so clearly writing my conclusion. I don't know whether you remember, but I was almost crying. So I can't look at this anymore. I just wanted to be yeah. over. And I think for you, you seem, seem to enjoy it, weirdly. <laughs> the last I, mean, weeks. I mean, it's like, um, yeah, for me, I sort of saw the last weeks as this, it was the kind of culmination of four years of work and it, it all sort of come together and yeah, in a way I was kind of sad to submit it, which is like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to sound like a complete weirdo, but yeah, I, I did sort of really, yeah, I felt quite emotional about submitting it in a kind of, I'm going to miss this. It was kind of like my baby for, for you know, four years. That's weird. And, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no but, but, you know, I think... I think the point is that, you know, there can be very different mm. ways that people sort of see yeah. the thesis and things like yeah. that. And, um, you know, but I think regardless of how we sort of thought about it and how we felt, you know, I think there are some very kind of key tips that kind of go across, you know, both our experiences, mm -hmm. uh, whether, you know, whatever you think of your thesis. Um, and so really, you know, we're covering a lot of different core skills that and, and really this show is going to be kind of starting with starting the thesis, going into kind of what you can do in terms of the content. And then, of course, you know, how do you actually project manage that whole process um, and and sort of work out exactly what you should do and when? OK, so let's get started. Yeah. And I think. Because this is actually interesting, this is our first episode after releasing the show. So the first three episodes we sort of pre-recorded and released them all at once. And this is the first one that we're recording, you know, after releasing it. And we have to say that we are legitimately completely overwhelmed by the listener response. We are so grateful for anyone uh, and all of you who have, who have tuned in to the first three episodes and of course tuning into this one. It really means a lot to us and we're so glad that that the show has resonated with the listeners. Um, and so just to say off the top of the show, you know, thank you for the incredible response. Um, yes. And we, we hope to sort of continue this journey on. Um, and so with that, let's talk about starting when and how you should start that thesis. So, Julia, when when should someone start their thesis? Yes, yeah, so I think in contrast to, for example, a master thesis, where you sometimes have just a couple um, of months at the end of your degree to write your your thesis, your dissertation. I think with a PhD thesis, it's really different in the way that's a very iterative process. So you kind of 
start writing um, at the beginning of your PhD and write throughout. And what I mean by that is not that you have to always have your thesis in mind, but even if you start by like reading about your research topic at the beginning and taking notes and um, starting to write little sections, that might like feed back into your thesis. Um, so you're doing it throughout and please, please, please save everything that you write, right? <laughs> Because if you, um, yeah, you can use it later on. Yeah. Always save your stuff. That's right, yeah. And I think like, um, you know, just use any kinds of downtime in the in the PhD. You know, perhaps you'll be waiting for ethics or you might be waiting for a bit of equipment to mm. arrive. You know, that you can use these opportunities to sort of chip away a little bit at the thesis, write stuff up uh, as you go along. And yeah, I think this this real point that, you know, don't sort of think that it's this final thing at the end. Yeah. It's very much, you know, you're sort of working on it continuously. You probably have a bit more focus time, I guess, at the end, but still you will have stuff um, written throughout that yeah. you can use, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the, the bit at the end is the sort of the refining, the kind of polishing and, and sort of mm -hmm. bringing it all together. You, you, you still probably will write most of the sort of core content in that last bit, but certainly, you know, a lot of the kind of, Uh, basic stuff will be written throughout yeah. the time. Uh, and so I guess then, you know, the, the question then is around kind of when you're ready to start this kind of process of bringing all this stuff that you've written throughout the three or four years together, um, you know, how should you do it? And I think there's, um, I think the, the tip that my supervisor said, which was really helpful, was to start what he called a sort of skeleton document. Yeah, I think it's it's quite it sounds quite basic. Right? Yeah, check the thesis guidelines of your university. Every university might have different kind of styles, like in terms of how many words you can write, um, which kind of reference style they like, whatever mm. that is. But yeah, just I think it it gives you the feeling that you're starting the process, you're getting the mindset, you like preparing yourself for what needs to be there at the very end. And I think yeah, it's a good good place to start. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's um kind of with this this idea of the skeleton document is you know kind of as it as it describes it's very much a kind of the bare bone structure of what your thesis is going to be and so it also gives you an opportunity to do things like getting the document sort of perfectly set up uh, in terms of the formatting mm -hmm. um, in terms of the figure styles the figure heading styles the the, the table heading styles and the, he the heading the subheading all yeah. this kind of stuff that that you have to sort of almost design in the thesis it's, it's your chance to sort of get that all done now which is and you know Anyone who's worked with Word will tell you that as soon as you put stuff in there, it gets really, really finicky. And so, you know, just doing that stuff before you have that uh, content in there is it's a lot easier to sort of test and make sure that all this kind of numbering stuff is working. Yeah. And I really loved the kind of template that you created for your thesis. And I just <laughs> just copied it, if I'm honest, because I think you did that really well in the way I don't know how you did it. But so that, for example, on each page, you have the name of the overall documents so or PhD thesis, the name of the sections or whether um, the readers right now the method section or result section and you also I think had the name in there and yeah. I think that it looked really nice and I think overall the design of your template was was really 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 nice yeah and don't worry as I said off the top of the show you know well this template will be available uh, for all the listeners to download from how to PhD Uh, dot show um, and so you know but we'll talk a little bit more about this as we get into more of the kind of content of the document and there's certainly a lot of design elements in that which I think can help the reviewer kind of navigate your thesis uh, because ultimately it is a long document and this sort of thing 
can help. Um, and so essentially, you know, once you have the kind of styles in place, I guess then the next thing with the skeleton document and the kind of next part of this method uh, is really to get your kind of initial headings and subheadings mm-hmm. in place. And so what I mean by this is literally having uh, chapter one, introduction, chapter two, background, and then even going as far as sort of 2.1, 2.2 with the kind of sub specific subheadings in there. Um, and the idea is, you know, by putting that kind of skeleton, you're effectively, what you're going to be doing is filling in the gaps as you go and yeah. write your thesis. Um, and I guess the big question then is, how do you work that out, right? How do you work out what those headings and subheadings should be? And that's what we're going to talk about next with designing the content of your thesis. So you've got your perfectly formatted Word document with your headings in place and you're kind of thinking, right, how do I get those headings for the skeleton document, right? And now one thing that my supervisor recommended, and I think this is a, this, I think for me personally, it was a really important moment in the thesis because I felt quite lost up to this point. Uh, But what he said was actually start with the abstract, right? And it sounds relatively counterintuitive, right? Because it's normally the thing that you do sort of at the end of the paper, or at least for Mm, me anyway, it's kind of, yeah, the thing at the end that you you summarize everything and it becomes the abstract. But actually starting with the abstract for the thesis, it really forces you to think about your work in a very concise way, right? You have 500 words to tell your thesis story. Um, And this process of just forcing yourself to do it right at the start of the thesis really helps you kind of distill what your what your kind of main findings are, what the result is, and what what the kind of key conclusion is. And and you can use this abstract really. And I think what you'll find is by doing that, you'll find that your kind of headings and subheadings for the skeleton document, you know, kind of drop out of that quite naturally. it is not an easy process, you know, especially at the beginning. Uh, you know, for me, it took me a week or two, I think even a bit longer, many, many drafts. But it was certainly, you know, a really helpful process to to get into that mindset of what is my thesis story. Yeah, but I think also another thing that helped me personally to um, develop my kind of skeleton was to look at other people's thesis. And mm, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, you might wonder, okay, where can I look that up? But there's this platform or website called Ethos. Um, we're going to put the link, I yeah. think, as well. Yeah, on the website, so you can have a look at that. Um, I think they have more than 500,000 thesis. So you can have a look and find some something. I think, yeah, look at something where you think, oh, this really intuitive. I, th- I like how the subheadings were made. It's really clear the structure is clear and you can use that as kind of inspiration yeah um, so, I think yeah. yeah so I mean I think just a sort of kind of just a word of caution I think it's a really good idea it can certainly like inspire you but don't you know don't worry if you see these theses it, it can it can feel a little bit intimidating because you know that's the finished product right that's probably gone and you'll under, get there yeah. yeah and and the point is you know you might look at that and kind of think whoa like i am nowhere near there right you're looking at your empty skeleton document right but you will get there right and mm. and so you know just bear that in mind when you're looking at this kind of platform ethos which is you know fantastic uh, bit of advice but you know just bear in mind that you know that's the finished product and you're very much still at the first step and you will get to that point another thing is also that you could do a content plan so a thesis content plan i did that for my pitch again we're going to put that up as a resource for you yeah. to look at what's basically is it's a table um where i kind of summarize each chapter so i was kind of giving a short description what is the chapter about then i 
um, how to think about how many tables and figures I'm going to include just to help me start thinking about like what kind of stuff do I need to form for each chapter and each section and also a projected length and again for me help to look at other people's or other examples to kind of get a feeling how many pages roughly do I need to write for a method section yeah, um, yeah. just as guidance that's right yeah and you know I guess that's the whole point you know by doing the skeleton document and this content plan you know with the summaries and you know how many tables and figures all this kind of stuff it just helps you get into the mindset of what you need to do to achieve mm. your thesis um, and so we sat down we also thought about you know okay once you've started writing the thesis right and you're starting to fill in these blanks essentially in your skeleton document um, what are some general tips that, that we learned that is really useful for writing this uh, and one of the things that I found is and especially a really useful tip to generally think about you know any section that you're writing in the thesis is to think about the five whys right yeah so I think um, what we mean by that is that you just really should think about like sentence by sentence in the in the end and think about did you justify everything that you said is everything backed up and I think that will save you a lot of time so for example um, for the viva that will look at stuff that is not justified um, so try to really back up your points and I think for a lot of methods that you will be using, um, you're um, not going to be the first person to use them. For example, I did an interview study. And so I looked at other people's um, thesis and, and also at journal papers where interviews were used and tried how do that they how did they justify what they did? And I think, yeah, make it as bulletproof as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, just for anyone who's interested, you know, this five whys, I think it comes from like some business literature, which essentially says, or I think it's from like sort of engineering context, which is kind of like any root cause can be determined when something wow. goes wrong you can determine the root cause by asking why five mm -hmm. times it's one of those kind of neat little business model <laughs> things which kind of you know um, which is just kind of neat but I think it's a useful useful tool to remember then of course you know when you've when you've you know when you're looking at your content and you know especially you know the point we made earlier about some of the stuff you might have written in your first year um just a very tip to just look at your references and and just bring them up to date or use if there are more recent references you know don't forget to to put them in yeah i think that's important or at least um be aware of um how old the reference that you're using is because um examiners um in your vibe and i mean i think we're going to talk about that um in a later episode but yeah. um examiners might pick up on um whether a reference is really old and then they ask oh actually do you think this is still valid today um practice for example in my field practice and in, in pharmacy is changing quite a lot so if I um, use a very old reference then I have to think I have to be able to justify um, whether what they said like 20 years ago or something is still valid today so um, yeah if there's a more recent re reference that you can use I think that that's quite quite useful yeah it, it's a really easy thing for examiners to pick up on mm. and question you on so if you can address it you know go ahead at the stage because that will you know it will it will just stop those questions mm. from from uh, being uh, brought up then, of course, I think this is probably, I think one of the key things, especially from an examiner's perspective, is is to really bring your voice into the thesis and, and reflect on the things that you've done in the thesis or in, in the entire four years in the in the thesis itself. Um, and, you know, to be honest about what you've done um, and to think about what went wrong and right. And I think, you know, if you can if you can bring this in into all the different sections, such as the, the method, the results, um, and you kind of you kind of expose what your thought process was, you mm. know, that you're reflecting on it, that you're thinking, you know, that you might even say, 
you know, having having understood a, a particular aspect, you know, potentially this might not be the, the optimal way and mm. I would do it this way next time. You know, that is that's exactly what they yeah. want to hear. Right. That's a, that's examiners dream uh, answers. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I think in my case, I think I had quite a um, problem of getting ethics. Right? Or it was a really long process and I kind of reflected how that was for me or recruitment, the different strategies that I use. So I've reflected which ones were more effective, how I would do it in the future. I think they really um, like that um, in, in the Viva. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah think about that yeah. how to bring in your voice that's right yeah and and you know things like you know make clear how your objectives develop not just the final thing you know and and i think you know to use a cliche you know think about your journey you know how mm-hmm. you've grown and yeah. i think you know we said this in the first episode and it's something that my supervisor said to me um you know it's it's a research degree not a change the world degree right examiners want to see that you've grown as a researcher right it's the phd is training you to be a good researcher and that's what they want to see and and being able to reflect and critically think about what you've done is is such a vital skill to that process mm. that that's really what they're looking for so you know own your mistakes you know be be, be proud of what you've done um, and bring your voice into the thesis bring your personality into it and i think that's always mm. a, a such a useful uh, thing and examiners love to see it yeah, another point that I wanted to mention is um, like to to use a resource that I personally found super helpful. It's called the Academic Phrase mm-hmm. Bank from mm-hmm. Manchester University. Again, I think we're going to put a link for all of you so you can look it up. Um, what it basically is, I, I don't know whether you had that <laughs> feeling before, but you felt you have like use the same wording for something or there's evidence for this or I don't know. Uh, I felt like it was becoming quite repetitive also maybe because I'm not a native um, speaker so I was running out of phrases to use and this um, website is really brilliant because they um, give you different ways of describing your methods or reporting results, writing conclusions. So I can't yeah, recommend it enough, really. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the thesis is a long document. So you might find that, you know, by sort of page 60 or 70 that you just can't think of another way to say you know in conclusion or you (laughs) know therefore you know uh, the evidence would suggest and this just is just a fantastic resource i guess it's for later in the thesis right yeah so to polish it yeah it's that that kind of polishing but 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 i think you know for me personally you know if i got if i can't um if I can't word something, then I can often get stuck trying to mm. word it. And I might you know, just knowing that I can just go to this um, academic phrase bank, um, mm. you know, and just click on a particular section, which is, you know, justifying a, uh, a result from a previous paper. And then they just give you like 10, 12 phrases. It's really, really handy. Um, and yeah, I wish I honestly wish I knew that, knew that sooner. Mm. Um, and I guess the final thing with the thesis and, and when you're thinking about the content is this question of sort of, I guess it's almost a question of design, right? And I think the way that I like to think about the thesis and and it's potentially a way that you might not have heard before, but think of it like an interface, right? So think of a website that you use or an app or a the, 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 the interface inside your vehicle or whatever, any time where you have to interact with something, you know, 
essentially what you are doing with your thesis is designing a user experience for the examiner, right? Mm. You are designing an interface that's essentially communicating your research in the best possible way to the examiner. Mm. And here's a secret, right? Examiners, they're human, okay? <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Um, no, they're human, right? They, they get tired. They get they might have had a long day. They might have been reading hundreds of pages before they're getting to your bit. Make it easy for them. And there's so many little design tweaks that you can do in the thesis in terms of font selection, in terms of heading sizes. And this is a lot of the stuff we talked about at the top of the show. Um, and again, all of this stuff is going to be in the uh, template that's available to download at howtophd.show. But here's some basic things that I did, and you'll be able to see this in the uh, in the kind of in the template and in the, the summary pictures that accompany the show notes. So things like a summary diagram, right? And this is something that I did and, and you did as well, Julia, right? Yeah, well, I didn't have summary boxes like you had, I think, but I do. I did have like um, uh, over, an overview of my yeah. research design. So like a figure or that illustrated my kind of research design. And um, I'm honestly still using that when I have to present yeah. about my PhD. I always copy that in because it's so clear. Just on one glance, you can see everything that I did basically in one glance. So yeah, we're going to put that up. And I think, yeah, that really helps them guide them through, as you said. Yeah, that's right yeah this summary diagram you know just just to sort of describe it a bit better it's essentially it showed exactly how all the different studies in my phd kind of all fit together mm -hmm. and where they fit in a sort of timeline um, and there's many you can you can organize this in whatever way suits your thesis and again you can see from the example but essentially you know you can keep calling back to this summary diagram and you know highlight which box in that diagram you're talking about and the examiner knows exactly you know where you are it's a really really useful tool mm -hmm. Another kind of summarizing thing is summary boxes, as you mentioned, Julia. These are essentially things that I put a little gray box at the start of each chapter, which essentially said in about in about 10 lines what was in that chapter, right? Mm. It, essentially a micro abstract in a kind of gray box. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to use formatting like text boxes and things to kind of draw the eye to those particular areas. These little things, they, they just help make that, um, they make that message come across clearer. There's another thing I did called, which I'm calling like a file path, right? So, you know, when you're in Windows Explorer or Finder, you, you can see kind of if you click on your documents folder, there's then a sub folder, which, and then if you click on that, you, there's another subfolder and you can essentially see at the top of your kind of Windows Explorer, like that kind of path that you've taken, do the same thing for your thesis, right? So at the top, which again, the template that we're providing will automatically do this for you, but essentially you'll have, you know, thesis and then it will tell you, okay, which part of the thesis you're in, which is chapter one. And then it will even put which subheading uh, right in the header. So again, on every single page, an examiner will know exactly where they are. Yeah, so I think we talked a lot about like the content now and the design, but I think there's one point left for us to discuss, right? Is which is how to get stuff done. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. And. It, almost the kind of project management aspect of it, right? Exactly. So, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about next. So getting the thesis done. So you've got your skeleton document, you've begun filling in some of the blanks, right? You, you know about the design, you know about how you're going to fill that content. Um, but how do you actually sort of manage yourself? And I guess this is kind of also probably 
you know, as equally as crucial um, as, as all the other stuff that we've talked about, right? Um, and so, Julia, I guess the, the first point is really about kind of this kind of how you view progress, right? Yeah, so I think it's really important to always remember every sentence that you're writing is progress. And I think there will be days where you're writing only a couple of sentences, maybe. Um, I think a lot of people on Twitter sometimes post, oh, today I just had a headline or something. But even headline is progress. So like, don't be harsh on yourself. Um, there will be more productive days and less productive days. So everything is progress. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't do this part of it um but to have or at least i didn't do it well um but to have a time plan right and and now this is slightly different to the sort of the kind of content plan that we talked about before right this is this is much more granular it's much more Mm -hmm. kind of accurate right yeah so i i developed a time plan and again we're gonna put that online for you um to look at um just as was quite rough a quite rough plan um where I indicated which month basically what I'm going to be working on for me that really helps me <laughs> to not yeah. to feel too stressed so after having created a timeline I always feel a bit better but I think yeah be real um, yeah. <laughs> with that when yeah, you're doing that it, yeah. D- plan in for example if you're gonna go on a holiday or whatever do do plan that t- as well yeah <laughs> so exactly equally and, important um, an interesting point that you sort of raised was also you know have someone else look at it right and and see if the, the time plan whether it's is, realistic yeah whether it's realistic yeah. you know and um it, as julia said you know don't forget holidays and it might be the fact that you know if someone else looks at it they might think you know you're working like you know 20 weeks straight here you know it's maybe not, yeah. yeah exactly so it re- again you know it really helps having someone review it um and of course as with all the other stuff that we've talked about you know we can find an example of a time plan on the show notes at how to phd uh, dot show and I guess on the kind of topic of, of having someone review your time plan is also having someone to review your actual thesis, right? And I guess um, this also needs a sort of element of project management. Yeah, so I think it's, it's very important to communicate deadlines um, with your supervisor. I think we talked about that a little bit in previous episodes, but I think it's really important because your supervisors also have a life and they will be busy and I think to really let them know when will you send them a chapter when will you send them a full draft to early yeah, early onwards um, kind of um, communicate that is really important yeah. to make the most out of your time that's it I mean we talked a lot about this in the uh, in episode two how to supervise the you know it's about setting those expectations and if mm. you're upfront and you know you're you're doing this weeks ahead of time then you know of course you can't guarantee that you're going to get the feedback mm. you know in the times that you plan things can happen you know life can get in the way uh, but certainly you know if you set those expectations then you've probably got a better chance of things you know happening the way you're expecting it to mm. um and i think another really useful part of the thesis writing or in terms of feed getting feedback um is actually to use journals and a few times in my doctorate um or certainly, yeah, not a few times, but once at the end, you know, I wrote a, a, a journal paper up knowing that it, it wasn't 100%, right? I, I knew it wasn't an amazing journal, um, but I sent it in anyway because I knew that the feedback I could get from that, I could directly put into the thesis, right? And I think that's a really useful tool is to use 
journals and comp- anything where there's peer review is is also feedback and that can feed directly into your thesis again mm. yeah i think yeah that's a really um yeah something i did as well use peer review feedback and then kind of it's like a circle isn't it? that you write your chapter you write up as a journal paper and then you get the feedback you go back yeah. to the chapter <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of the a circle that's right that's right and um of course you know that's kind of i guess what you know the kind of feedback that we're talking about in this part is really kind of perhaps more sort of the content and the sort of the kind of more academic side of it but of course you know you might uh, another important aspect is to proofread it right for for spelling mistakes for grammar um, and Julia actually th- there was a few things that you learned in this process um, which actually I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about yeah so obviously I'm not a native speaker so I think for me proofreading is always or I feel very conscious about like making um, grammar mistakes or and I didn't want to use my supervisor's time for that too much they were amazing mm-hmm. they did uh, help me with that mm-hmm. as well but I also went um, and asked some colleagues I think you can see it um, if you want to have a look at my thesis but there in my acknowledgements I think I have six different people who helped me with proofreading but I actually had a look as well on the university um, guidance and at least at work I think you're even allowed to use use um, professional services that the university agrees with um, to kind of help you proofread your thesis if you feel you don't have time or you can't find anyone to help you but I think usually people are always really happy to help you with that and support Um, but yeah there are different options so check out what your university guidance says and get help yeah I think that's the main, yeah, double check that. But yeah, these unis often offer this kind of service. And so see what yours offers as well. And I think, you know, with all this kind of stuff around feedback and things, you know, I think a general rule of thumb is, and again, you know, don't worry if you don't stick to this because it is a rule of thumb. Um, But try to get feedback twice for each chapter. I think that's that's just a nice amount to sort of make sure that any kind of issues, any kind of, um, things that might be slightly off with the story is captured, right? And if you can get it twice for each sort of chapter and, and ideally twice for the whole thing, um, you know, you can make sure that you're you're seeing the bigger picture of the story that way. Mm. Um, and again, you know, don't worry if you don't get it done twice. You know, maybe you only get feedback once because of, you know, the way... Depends that you're, on the supervisor. Exactly. It depends yeah, on the supervisor team. So don't worry if it's if it's not more than that. But if you can get it to twice, um, you know, hopefully you'll be able to, you know, by chance you'll capture more mm. of the kind of uh the kind of issues that that might be there yeah. um is there anything else you want to mention Julie? yeah i think just one point that i thought of was um like how to avoid that you sometimes you get really tired some of your uh, thesis yeah. like reading uh, it and it's something actually that comes from my music degree i think um the kind of rule that I have or what I do as um so for example I noticed with my um students back then with my clarinet students that I was teaching my music degree that they start really well so the beginning of their songs that they were playing were always really good and then towards the end it got a little bit worse and I think and I started noticing that's because they always practice this of course from the beginning to the end as you do with a song but then I think what's really helpful is like to actually turn it around and start reading your thesis or (laughs) if it's a song then start playing the song at a later section um, and kind of then working um, forwards because um, then you avoid that you are are tired by the end where you come to the end of reading um, your chapters so just like switch it around maybe start reading this discussion and results and the methods yeah exactly I mean it's um (laughs) Gosh, I mean, I think they say like, you know, uh, as a as a really good sort of 
mental stimulation thing to brush your teeth with like your left hand if you're right-handed and stuff i think it's the same kind of concept you're kind of like you're kind of forcing your brain to sort of engage and sort of make sense of it and and you know what fresh eyes can make a huge difference when you're proofreading and i think you know that might be another thing is when you're in this process don't be afraid to take a day away and and just step away from the thesis when you're at Mm -hmm. this proofreading stage even at the writing stage as well if you're stuck on something the the difference a day off can make is is really astounding again as we've said in all the episodes i think listen to your body you know if you feel that you're in a block just take a step away you know that day something else do something else that day off is going to be so much better for you in the long run Mm. um and don't feel guilty about taking that off Mm. um and i guess you know the final i guess the final thought right julia is is when do you know when to stop, right? Mm. I mean, it was a bit different for me. I had a sort of very hard deadline. Like I could not go a day mm. over this because of the way my PhD was funded. I would fail if I had done it a day okay. after. Um, mm. So I had a very clear deadline and I worked up right to that deadline. Uh, but you had a bit more flexibility. And so I guess there's this question of around when, when do you know when to stop? Or how do you know mm. the thesis is ready to be let go into, mm. the, into the great beyond? Yeah, so I, I think I set myself a deadline as well because I really needed that to know, okay, by the time I'm going to finish it. And I think, um, yeah, <laughs> I actually went back to my supervisor and asked, like, is it really okay? And I needed to hear from her, yeah, Julia, it's fine, stop. But I think, yeah, maybe you will never get to that um, to that point where you feel, oh, now it's perfect, now everything's yeah. fine. But I think, yeah, if you feel um, that after receiving the feedback from your supervisors and you feel there's no major issue left and most importantly i think if they are happy for you to submit that's a good indication i think um to say okay it's good enough now and um yeah you never know i guess what happens in a viva but um yeah just make sure all the major concerns are all addressed and you have a good feeling (laughs) yeah i think that's the key point you you know none of us have control over what's going to happen in the viva and it's you know a bit like peer reviewing in journals and things it's a process with you know you know quite a lot of noise and i think like if you you know you could send someone into a viva you know three times and they might get three different results right it's just one of those things and so once once it gets to that point that it's good enough send it in and just know that the viva and we're going to talk about this more next week about kind of Mm -hmm. what's the kind of mental strategy what's the best way to think about the viva um and and hopefully you know just let it go and accept that you know that viva will be the point at which you know you you may find that actually it's perfect or there may be minors you don't know so Mm -hmm get it to that point get your supervisors behind it and and send it off and and, and celebrate and celebrate, celebrate when you're done yeah, that's right. celebrate when you've um, submitted your thesis it's, it's a huge moment i think um i think what i did i i um i screen recorded my computer oh, yeah, yeah and i think yeah. you were there as well and i, I gave yeah. like a bit of cheesy commentary to myself like, as i did it i think i video recorded you as well it's, it's an amazing moment and i think you know celebrate it and just pat yourself on the back for an amazing job um and so hopefully with all those with those sort of key three core tips uh to writing the thesis from start to beginning hopefully you'll be celebrating in no time So here we are at the end of another How to PhD. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate you guys uh, downloading the show and and, uh, joining us for this uh, session. It really means a lot to us that this show can help you guys. 
We do want to hear from you, of course, and a few of you have. So you can email us at contact at howtophd.show or, of course, you can get in touch with us over Twitter and Instagram at our handles, which is at howtophdshow. Uh, and, of course, we mentioned this a whole bunch of times today. So we have the, the template for the thesis and all the different examples of how you can design your thesis all of that stuff, as well as all the links to a lot of the different um, things that we mentioned today can all be found in the show notes, which is at howtophd.show. And of course, you know, our last request is if you enjoy the show, um, then please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you're listening to this show on. It helps other people find the show and it lets us, of course, know that hopefully we're doing something right. So Julia, the next one, and we kind of we gave it away we, we, already. Yeah, we, we did spoil this. I was just so excited, um, but it's going to be a big one, right? It's preparing for the Viva. Yes. So everything you will have to know about the Viva, um, we're going to talk about that um, in the next episode. Exactly. Yeah. And I think another key point is going to be around kind of what's the mentality, what's the best way to think about the Viva, um, and. Another point that we want to mention here, we had lots of great feedback from our first three episodes. Uh, and one thing we noted was that there was a lot of people asking about getting funding for the PhD. So kind of the, the how stuff, to apply as well, yeah, like how, how to find it. That's right. Mm-hmm. How to apply for PhDs, how to get funding for PhDs. Um, and of course, this all this sort of stuff that comes before you get into the process. And we think this is a this is a really good idea. So we'll actually next week, we'll have an additional sort of mini episode um, on this topic. So do look out for that. Julia, I think that's everything, right? I think that's everything. So, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And, yeah, take care and we will see you next week. Yeah, see you then. <laughs>